Chapter 89. Llanos de Mojos, Bolivia. Search for the dark-throated Cirita. I watched the nest nearby in the morning and also helped Toa climb a tree to drill drain holes in the trunk so the cavity wouldn't get flooded again. Toucans were attacking the nest as well. In the afternoon, Pedro and I went out on the bikes to check nests in two Motaku Islands a few kilometers away. Blue-throated macaw pairs seemed to be entering the holes, which is great news, but with Toa being Toa, he wouldn't believe us until he saw it with his own eyes. He normally buys people a beer if they find a nest which becomes active, but since I don't drink anymore, he said he'd buy me a couple of orange juices instead. Later on, a storm arrived from the south, what they call a sur, so I had to sleep in my sleeping bag for change. I'd eaten or drunk something bad yesterday and had bad diarrhea the next morning and felt really weak. I stayed in my hammock for the morning and took some medication and felt strong enough by the afternoon to go with Toa to cut some bamboo to make ladders. The two new nests were in pretty flimsy-looking dead or dying palm snags, so climbing up them the normal way with ropes would be a little dangerous. Toa had to get back to Trinidad, but Ulla and Pedro wanted to go back too. They'd been out here for a month. But because now there was as many as four nests in the area that could go active any time, Toa wanted to have at least one of them to help me out, but they were adamant for some time off. Anyway, the four of us left camp and I got dropped off on the way to stay at the neighbouring ranch to try and find a shortcut to the new nests. The people there were very nice too. The foreman there was quite chatty and I told him about the project and the blue-threaded macaws, or barba azul as they call them here, which means blue beard, before retiring to my hammock. I woke early and set off on the motorbike in the direction of the new nests. It was pretty wet after the storm, but I managed okay until I got stuck in those Sirtaneja bumps. On the way there, there was lots of new puddles, and I even saw a huge greater Annie, big blackbird with a long tail, which is usually associated with water. It was a foot-deep maze of little trenches and completely impassable on a bike. I managed to extricate the bike, and a passing cowboy put me on track but I couldn't get any closer than about a kilometre and a half away. I arrived much later than I would have on the normal route, and spent the morning observing the pair going in and out of the nest tree, apparently incubating the eggs. I walked back to the bike and made my way back to the base ranch to find the owner there. He and I had a nice lunch of chicken, separate from the cowboys who I guess ate that god-awful sun-dried meat charque. He and his gang of cowboys were here to brand the cattle, which he said I could watch, but I declined as I had to go back to protect the nest. Everyone apart from the usual couple had gone by the time I got back, and I ate rice and charque with them. The next day, when I finished my morning shift, the bike wouldn't start. I kept trying for about an hour with no luck, so started the long hour-and-a-half, seven-kilometre walk back. It was hot, and I got a really bad headache walking in the sun. I took a rest under the shade of some trees, which were heaving with hundreds of migratory little seed-eaters. I saw a few of the near-threatened, dark-throated seed-eater, which were on my list of rare birds, and that took my mind off my headache. I checked another nest near the house and found the birds copulating, which I guess is a good sign. The next day, one of the cowboys was leaving by horseback from the owner's ranch, and from there he would walk until he could catch a ride back to Trini. He tapped me on the shoulder at about 4am while I was still sleeping, and I sleepily shook his hand and wished him well. I left about 5.30 to walk out to the nest, which was a lot more pleasant than the heat of the previous day. I had some good observations and left a little early to check the other nest on a nearby island. I tried the bike on the way back just in case, but it didn't start. In the other nest, the female was in the hole, which was a good sign and might mean that she'd lay eggs soon. I'd already resigned myself to another seven-kilometre hike back, but tried the bike just one more time and miraculously it started. 
At night there was a fire burning on the horizon, which looked like there was a crack in the earth's crust with hot lava pouring out of it. I ate fritos, that fried dough, and heard from a cowboy that all his friends had been asking about the Mexican girl Emma, who had just left. They were all hoping that the new volunteers that would be turning up would be gringuitas, but I had to break the sad news that there was two guys. A 40-year-old British guy called Pete and a young American guy called Zack. The nest was pretty quiet for most of the morning, with a female down in the cavity, so I started to make my ladder. I hadn't seen the female for quite a while and worried that she might have abandoned the nest, but when a pair of big blue and yellow macaws flew by, she popped her head out. We had a nice lunch of fresh meat for a change. They kill a cow every three weeks for people to eat, so the first day you have a really nice steak, and the rest of the time you just have that sun-dried shit. On leaving the blind, I spotted a family of foxes coming close, and I froze. They didn't see me until they were very close, and I was shocked when their mother started growling at me. First peccaries, and now foxes ready to attack. You have a lot of time to think when you're watching a nest for hours. I was thinking how happy I was to be here. Ever since I was a kid, I've wanted to help save endangered species, and here I am. With the other cowboy gone, there was a room free. It had a cowboy bed, a wooden frame with a cowhide pulled across it. With my inflatable mattress on top, it was actually quite comfy, and certainly a nice change from sleeping in a hammock. All the other blinds we've made so far have been on the islands, but this new nest, the best view was from outside. It was nice that there was no mosquitoes, but it did feel a bit like a sauna. In the evening, the cowboy was listening to the radio. Bolivia was playing a vital World Cup qualifier, which they promptly lost. No surprise there. I was tired and hot, but couldn't get to sleep again, with a kid crying. I decided to check out another possible nest on the big island the next day, reached by a precarious three-kilometre dusty road. I walked into where Toad said the blind was, but the pair saw me before I got in and they flew off squawking. I waited for a couple of hours inside, but they didn't return. I looked around for some crane hawks on the island that were known to use their long legs to stick in the nest holes and claw around for young chicks to eat. I couldn't find them either. I did manage to find some nice strong branches to use as rungs on my ladder, though. At one point, watching the nest, I heard the dreaded frog-like croak of a toko toucan approaching. They're one of the biggest problems for nest failure. They'd love to steal eggs. I reached for my catapult and clay balls. I didn't want to step out of the blind in case I'd scare off the parents. It was quite a delicate situation. Luckily, some great kiskadees were nesting on the island, and they absolutely nailed this poor toucan. Four or five of them were attacking it viciously, even when it was flying away. One of them was hanging onto its tail and it was barely managing to fly. I couldn't stop laughing at the comical sight. I guess the toucans might not turn out to be a problem at this nest after all. Just before I left the blind, a group of greater rears walked within ten metres of the blind not seeing me. One of the good things about sitting still for hours is that you get to see some stuff much closer than you would do walking around. In the evening I treated myself to some honey with my herb tea. I gave the kid a spoon of it too which he absolutely loved. I gave his parents a talk about not chopping down the trees to get it, though. That's what everyone does around here, and there's few enough trees as it is. Probably one of the reasons why the blue-throated macaws nest in these shitty, rotten palm stumps. 